Hey Chuck, did you know that 20% of men in their 20s and 30s are suffering from erectile dysfunction? And did you know that 40% of, of men over 40 suffer from erectile dysfunction? And did you know that an 18-year-old, the average refractory period for an 18-year-old is 15 minutes, and for someone who's in the 70s, it's about 20 hours. But I think it's much longer than that. Come again? Oh. <laughs> do you ever wonder, why do I always seem to give so much more than I get? All I want is to be appreciated and loved. Is that asking too much? Why do all the jerks get the hot girls while I get stuck in the friend zone? When will it ever be my turn? If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Nice Guy Show. This is the podcast that asks the question, how do I break free from the nice guy syndrome so I never have to come in last again? Now here are your hosts, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. Gentlemen, welcome to the Nice Guy Show with myself, Faisal Coker and Chuck Chapman. Today we're discussing about libido. As we men get in our 40s and 50s, we're not exactly quite the same as we used to be. And our libido can suffer. But the biggest problem right, we're seeing right now is libido is affecting a low libido is affecting a lot of men in their 20s and 30s that's shocking and frankly quite unacceptable so chuck have you ever had malfunctions down there oh you know i think we all struggle with that from time to time you know uh definitely you know when i was when i was younger i remember like having a pretty strong libido in fact i had a very strong sex drive, but I also had a lot of sexual shame around that. And I think the combination of this high sex drive and high sexual shame is just like a recipe for dysfunction. And um, as a result of that, I had, uh, yeah, I had some issues down there. Um, and so how, uh, did the how did the shame, you know, what was the shame or... So let's let's help some of the guys understand this as well. Sure. So sexual shame. What is sexual shame and how does that affect us? Well, I think sexual shame, especially for me, okay, and I grew up in a very religious household, as I talked about before. And so sex was one of those things that was considered sinful, anything outside of marriage. So anything like masturbation or, you know, pornography or anything, any of those kind of things that younger guys are sort of naturally drawn to um, was a was considered a sin and um, sinful acts is considered doing something that, you know, is egregious towards the you know, God. And as a result of that, you know, you're not in God's favor. If you're not in God's favor, then, you know, you're going to get squashed essentially. Right? So, yeah. So you have these strong sex drives and yet you're supposed to repress them. And I think that that kind of combination really set me up for, some of that sexual dysfunction and uh, work with a lot of guys who have a lot of shame around sex and sexuality. And it's the same, same kind of thing. A lot of guys have, um, you know, erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation uh, as mm -hmm. a result of being um, it, some of their beliefs and things around sex is shame is essentially, I think a belief that you have around sex. The belief is that I'm bad because I want sex rather than, this is a perfectly natural, normal thing that I should want, especially as I'm younger. 
Yeah, yeah. I can so relate to this because in my when I was growing up in my culture too, you know, we don't talk about sex and sex is a taboo, you know, thing. And you know, heaven forbid, you know, you masturbate. You know, this it took mm. me a long time to, you know, be comfortable. And the fact is, yeah, I did. You know, I, I do masturbate and I did watch porn. Uh, and having that conversation with guy friends or guys, you know, I didn't really uh, address that or because I feel really embarrassed about it. I, you know, I think, oh, you know, I'm a really bad person to do these things. And like you said, I, you know, I felt really shamed about having sexual desires and wanting a girl. And I, I remember um, some of the shame that was made worse was I remember in school, the girls used to be, you know, used to say horrible things to you. Oh, you're such a sex pervert or mm-hmm. the words I used to hear, you're such a pervert or something like that. And then you'd hear, uh, you know, them scolding other guys as well. Oh, you're an old pervert or this and that. And I thought, well, okay, well, that's wrong to be sexual then. Yeah. I had the same thing happen in my marriage, my first marriage where uh, you know, my wife, you know, because of her own issues, uh, you know, wasn't, sexually didn't have a lot, you know, libido. And so when I would approach her for sex, there was oftentimes, you know, I would be shut down or, or, or shamed in a way of like, you know, all you ever want to do is have sex, you know, all, you know, as if that's sort of a bad thing. And I think that those are those kind of messages that really can mm-hmm. increase, uh, you know, sort of that, that sexual shame and that sexual shame can oftentimes create these sexual dysfunctions of, low libido, premature ejaculation, and those kind of things. Yeah, because we start to start suppressing it. Hey, I don't want to be seen as a pervert or that's all I think about. Yeah, okay, maybe I did when, you know, when you're young, that's what you think about, but, well, and food (laughs) and cars. Yeah, Yeah. but but it does hurt. You know, when you're young, it does hurt. You're thinking, I I don't want to be like the other guys who are sex perverts, who are this, that. So, there was no healthy guidance or channeling for me. And that, that was yeah. a real uh, struggle as well. Yeah. So a lot of guys do have erectile dysfunction and have low sexual libidos. I love to know, you know, what is it, what's causing it? And, you know, and what can the guys do about this? Yeah. Yeah. So when you were younger, did you have, what was it like for you? Were you, uh, did you have sexual dysfunction? Did you, what were your, how did that show up for you? I was like a raging bull, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. High testosterone, high sex drive. And, you know, sex was really important to me. And also realizing that I had all this sexual drive, sexual energy. Also, there was a lot of shame around this. And I had yeah. to really, you know, be very mindful of it, especially in my culture as well. Something you don't really talk about or you, mm-hmm. if you had questions, there was no, you know, real internet that you could, you know, search yeah. up or ask somebody. And that was a real challenge for me as well. There wasn't, you know, I didn't have the sex talk with my dad, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and the sex, I can't even remember the sex education we had at school. I think it was just a few pictures and everybody just giggled. And then the guys just sat there just covering themselves up. And that was about <laughs> it. <laughs> you know? And I think the girls were just laughing at us for, you know, when there was this sort of erect, you know, penis. oh, look at that. You get an erection, you right. get an erection. Right. You think, you know, she, so, uh, yeah, I can see a lot of yeah. shame there as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And also, I think what that did was that made me hold back and be less creative in the bedroom. Mm. And 
what that did was because I didn't really tap into my sexual side, it meant that I wasn't as creative or I wouldn't push myself to explore other edges. You know, it was pretty, I would say, you know, I had exciting sex life. I've always been very passionate, had exciting sex life, but now where I'm now, it's far more exciting, far more, you know, adventurous um, than ever I did. Yeah. I think especially for nice guys um, that tend to put a lot of emphasis around sex, but also being different than other guys as a result, you know, so that the nice guy seduction of like, Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't want her to think that she wants, I don't want her to think Mm -hmm. that I want to have sex with her. Instead, it's kind of like, I'm going to just kind of, you know, lean in a little bit. And if she leans in, then that means like, you know, I can lean in a little bit more. And, um, and I think that uh, because we're nice guys are ashamed of our sexuality, we don't express our sexuality. And as a result of that, then, um, you know, we hide our sexual shame. Okay. And then when we do have sex, we have this feeling of sometimes guilt, remorse. Um, yeah. Don't understand that. Uh, sometimes that's just kind of that refractory period that happens after you have sex. Um, and so we walk around with even you know, more and more shame. It's, you know, that reminded me of, um, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, I, w- I was definitely that guy who would hide my sexual agenda. It was like, you know, all you want to do is get into a knickers. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Well, you know, no, I just want to get to know you. Sometimes you do want to get to know the person. Sometimes you just want to have it off with them. And, and that's the truth. That lying and boldness uh, makes such a difference because nice guys, we just really hold back on the truth. And actually, we are sexual men. We are sexual beings and we have a sexual drive. And it's okay, regardless of what shaming and naming you get. I remember I was with this girl and then she, uh, incredible Swedish girl, and she flew over uh, to see me and spend the weekend with me. And, uh, you know, I had met her before and there is this blonde Swedish girl in my house. Right. And, and I just had this, uh, phobia of like trying to get more intimate with her Mm. and all these overthinking things started to come into my mind was like, well, if I have sex with her, that means I'm obligated to be in a relationship with her. Then if I have sex with her and then if I say to her, hey, listen, it's just for the weekend and then she gets upset, I don't know how to handle that. So there was lots of uh, insecurities, overthinking, ruminating. And all she said to me, she said, will you stop fucking overthinking? Just relax and just enjoy the moment. We don't know what the future is. And I'm like, I know, but I've been hurt before and you might you know, change your mind or do something. And she goes, just relax and be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that kind of like really helped me to sexually relax as well because i was really tense in that moment yeah so yeah yeah well what are some practical ways you think that uh guys can sort of increase their libido their sex drive the thing that you know so rather than repressing our sexuality we're increasing it embracing it all right. So let's start with number one, right? There are some four things that we've, we've listed that you know, help us to increase our libido. And a lot of guys do struggle with this. So let's have a look at number one. Let's have a look at some of the basics, right? Again, yeah. 
gentlemen, this is just our, you know, coaching advice. This is not professional advice. It's not medical right. advice. Please seek medical assistant or physician to, you know, have any of the issues that you have dealt with. So this is just our kind of like opinion on this one. Okay. Yeah. So let's look at number one, food, mm-hmm. right? Guys with low libido have something in common. They have rubbish intake of food, high sugary, right? Mm-hmm. Fatty, like wrong kind of fats, food. Mm-hmm. And they just not looking after the body. They're putting in a lot of crap. Yeah. 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 Um, what kind of foods would you suggest? All right. So first of all, what I had to do was cut out all the fast foods, takeaways, going out. Oh, I love food or right? I love takeaways. Yeah. I love pizzas. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a foodie, right? So one of the things I had to do was start cleaning up my diet. And I would say it's about 60% clean, 40%, you know, naughty, but sometimes it's like 50 you still have or the dirty kebab every once in a while. Oh, do I love dirty kebabs after a drinking again? So let's talk about some of the stuff, right? Things that have really helped, helped libido is high, you know, testosterone increasing food. So people, men with low, um, libido have low testosterone, right? Mm-hmm. So now what I've started to do is add more fatty fat in my diet so more meats in my diet more vegetables smoothies nuts so good fats you know mm-hmm. avocado eggs yeah 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 the protein and protein so a lot more protein a lot a lot of more good fats mm-hmm. i was one of these guys you know who's who saw that hey fat free i thought okay it's fat free that's mm-hmm. good for you in my in my opinion what i've learned is that they're worse for you because they're more processed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit put into them. And processed mm-hmm. stuff our body finds are very difficult. So food, good foods and plenty of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Plenty yeah. of water. F- plenty first of- thing I do, get up in the morning, have at least a liter or two of water. Ooh. And you'd be surprised, right? Having a chuck, having one liter of water. Uh-huh. You'd be surprised how much energy it gives you, how much lasting energy it gives you. Yeah, right. yeah that's great. That's great. And one of the things so, that I've discovered, uh, well, earlier on is, you know, alcohol consumption. Like that is probably one of the bigger libido killers that guys don't really recognize because of what's going on in your body. Is One is the alcohol is full of sugar. Um, mm. and your body has a hard time processing where, you know, processing the sugar and as a result, as a result of that, um, it affects your testosterone level. One of the things that alcohol does is it's a depressant, right? And the depressant isn't necessarily, you know, you think about, well, when I go out and I drink, I actually like, you know, I'm feeling really excited. That's not the depressive part of it. The depressive part of it is, is that when you when you go out and you drink, you have high doses of the dopamine, and then your body isn't able to replace the dopamine that was there because you had this big, big scoop, you know, handful of dopamine, and then yeah. so it takes you longer for your body to get those levels back up. And as a result of that, you can feel lethargic, you can feel tired. The other thing that alcohol does is it it shuts down parts <laughs> of your body that are necessary for you know, longer term survival. You know, and one of the things that's going to shut down is your sex, your sex drive, because um, 
you know, your sex drive is something that you need for long-term survival, um, short, not short-term survival. And as a result of that, your, um, your body, that dysfunction that happens in your body oftentimes is related to the shift in your chemistry, your body chemistry, so that you can't perform the way that you wanted to. And this can yeah. happen even, you know, days after you've had, you know, like you've gone on a bender or something like that. So alcohol is a big one, just reducing that. Um, and that will actually increase your libido. The thing is, it, it, it does, but the, the dichotomy a lot of guys have is, okay, I need some alcohol. I need some Dutch courage. I need some relaxed anxiety to be with this girl. Or if you're going on a date or something, you know, mm-hmm. I'll t- you know, you're anxious. You know, I have a few drinks just to calm my nerve down so I can relax. So <laughs> you've got the problem like, well, if I have alcohol, you know, it'll calm my nerves down, but also it'll take away from the libido. It's like, ha, what do I do? But yeah, I think a good, yeah. bal- a good balance there. And, you know, when you practice, a lot with dating and getting good with women, you won't need alcohol. You can still have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's look at number two. So what's number two? Number two, number two is exercise. So walking, swimming, strength training, uh, combat sports, you know, boxing, MMA, jujitsu, uh, those kind of things, uh, any type of exercises you can do because you're getting the blood flowing, you're getting the body moving, you're getting, you're, you're waking your body up. And when your body's awake, then mm. you're more likely to have uh, an increase in your sex drive. Okay. So just getting that body going and moving. Uh, not only that, you know, you get into shape and so you have more endurance, you have more energy and the, and these kind of things coupled with, you know, the, the food and the diet exercise, like what that's going to do is going to make you a feel more attractive and B, you know, yeah makes you feel more, more confident. And then it is going to give you more energy and more, um, that blood flow. Again, you're increasing the blood flow, right? And little man, you know, he works on blood flow. So we need to have a, a good blood flow working in our body. So exercise is a great way to get that moving. I love that. I love that good exercise. And it's something that I know a lot of nice guys struggle with, so it'd be quite really, mm-hmm. it would be really good to talk a bit more about exercise as well and how that can really yeah. benefit us and, you know, how we can get really into that one. So yeah, let's, exercise. Let's, let's do that for our next, next podcast. Cool. So let's look at number three. Number three. Here is a, yeah, so no, this is so important as well for a good libido, good mind, good mind and good emotions is sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I, hear this so often and again a lot of nice guys struggle with this is Mm -hmm. sleep discipline Mm -hmm. yeah they're they're on their phones 10 o'clock 11 o'clock 12 o'clock one o'clock they're going to sleep so late and they're just wasting a lot of time on consuming social media because and they get up the next day they're tired they're lethargic and what i've noticed is um i used to suffer from insomnia and one of the things about insomnia is if it takes you more than 45 minutes to go to sleep, that's, you know, mm-hmm. insomnia. And it used mm-hmm. to take me ages to go to sleep. I'm like, my brain is wired thinking. Mm-hmm. I tried everything to go to sleep, but, you know, I tried meditation, you know, showers, hot showers, but I tried so many things. Chuck, do you know the one thing that really worked? 
Sportsa. Right. Sleep discipline. Aha. 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 Going to bed. Right. So for me, <clears throat> 10 o'clock is my cutoff time. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so everything at 10 o'clock, my phone goes off. You know, I'm like, no more communication. And about 10, about 10, you know, 10 past 10, my lights are off. You know, I might read a little bit. Uh, but that's what I've been doing for the last three, four years. And I go to sleep like a baby most of the time, right? About 80, 90% of the time, I'm out and I don't even remember it. So I'm out really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I did this with uh, an experiment with, with a group of guys in my group. Mm-hmm. I said, gentlemen, all of us are going to go to sleep before 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Steve Peters, who wrote Chimp Paradox, he says, if you go to sleep after 10, 30 or 11, your amygdala brain gets hyperactive. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do, I'm not a sleep expert, but this is what I've learned is you want to go to sleep before it starts getting hyperactive. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And, this is, I know this is a difficult thing, but I've tried it for two weeks. No. And the thing is, sleep discipline requires at least three to six months before you start mm. seeing some changes. So, so, yeah. So with my group, when they started to do it for at least three months, I had a guy and he wrote, I am really bad at sleeping. After three months, he says, wow, I'm actually sleeping like a baby because I'm really sleeping well. He used to be a gamer, love games, addicted mm. to computer games. Right, so they're playing till two o'clock in the morning. Sure. When he started getting bed at ten, he noticed his sleep just improve. And sleep is when testosterone is built, replenished. Mm-hmm. Definitely, sleep is something that I've really uh, changed in my life over the last several years. One of the things I think that, and this was for me, and I think maybe other guys can relate to this, is there was this FOMO, the fear of missing out. Like I need to stay up later and later, you know, I'm going to miss, you know, one more video or I'm going to, you know, the, the watch it, binge watching a TV show or something. It's like, Oh, cliffhanger. Okay. I'll just watch one more. And you end up staying up late because you're afraid you're going to miss out on something. And what I found out was you, when you stay up late, you actually are missing out on something. You're missing out on your ability to, uh, have more energy, your ability to be more present, your ability to be awake, um, for your body to feel good, for sex to be better, because you're staying up late. When I shifted that, and I typically go to bed between 9.30 and 10, same, similar, similar to you, I also tend to wake up earlier, and when I wake up earlier, I have more energy in the morning, and when I am awake when I've gotten a good night's sleep and I have this energy in the morning that I'm far more productive uh, mm. during those first few hours of my day. And um, that's just something that once I started to experience, I was like, I've been missing out on this and I don't want to miss out on it anymore. And so when I think about staying up late, I'm like, but if I stay up late, then I'm not going to be able to, you know, hit my morning with all the energy and be able to be creative and be able to be productive. And I, I think about what I'm going to be missing out if I don't sleep. And that's something that's actually really shifted my, my thinking about it and made it easier for me to go to bed. I look forward to going to bed earlier because I know I'm going to get that good night's sleep and I'm going to have a great morning and day the next day. Does it, does this mean that we're just getting old? I said, just two old men saying, all right, Let's just go to sleep early because I because I used to laugh at my dad. He used to go to bed at yeah. half nine. I'm like, what? Yeah. 
What's he? Yeah. Oh man, he's, he's going to sleep so early, and you know, my son. So I have sleep discipline in my house. Even my son. Yeah. Yeah. He's did he sixteen? I'm like, nah. You nine nine uh-huh. o'clock to nine thirty bedtime. Uh-huh. He's like, but dad, I'm nearly sixteen, yeah. and all my friends are you know awake yeah. to two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I don't care if you stay in my house. Yeah. This is my rules, right? Mm-hmm. So Chuck, what happens if your partner is a night owl? Or she just wants to be up all night, or you want to be up all night. Then what? Or is that a different podcast? <laughs> Maybe a different podcast. But I think briefly, um, I'm it was the opposite of my house. My my wife was, you know, she she was the one going to bed at nine o'clock. And part of the reason I switched my sleep schedule around was because she would go to bed, and then I would crawl into bed, you know, four or five hours later. Um, you know, in the middle of the night and I missed out on that time, you know, that intimate time to be with my partner in bed. And so one of the things I decided to do was to start going to bed earlier and go to the bed, go to bed at the same time she did and wake up at the same time she did because, mm-hmm. you know, my job, I, I don't have to, I don't have to wake up super early. Um, I can. You know, I can sleep in if I want to, but I found that by not going to bed with my wife, that that actually started to, um, sort of, you know, it, it was it just wasn't healthy for the relationship. No, of course not. No. Yeah. Yeah. It does. You need you need alignment there as well. You know, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When you, absolutely. When you see, look, I hear a lot of couples. You know, they're like different times, and guys are like, yeah. I'm a night owl, and you know, I go to bed at two, three o'clock, and then she's in a different time zone. I think that can have a long term. That can have a yeah. impact on that as well. Yeah. All right. So what's number three? Uh, sorry, number four. The last one. All right. So top four. What's number four? Sexual yeah. detox. All right. Ooh. So what is sexual detox? Okay. So this is things like removing porn from your life and, um, mm. you know, not using masturbation as a stress relief, you know, staying up on social media and, you know, flipping through the Instagram girls. Um, that's a sexual detox. And then I think just kind of com- overall complaining and moaning and having sort of a negative outlook on life um that these things when we do these things we're detoxing we're actually in the idea of detox is to get rid of the toxicity so porn excessive masturbation social media um having a negative attitude those are all toxic things that when we do them long enough the toxicity basically poisons our life and Mm. we're not living in optimization. So uh, just being able to do that. And I oftentimes will tell guys to go on uh, what we call kind of a feminine cleanse, you know, which is just remove the feminine from your life to detox. And that's all things, um, you know, that might be staying away from dating for a while. It might be staying away from having sex with your partner for a period of time. It's all about, you resetting your body, getting rid of that toxicity, getting your brain chemistry back in balance so that you can have a healthier, healthier sexual <laughs> uh, experience in your life. 
So when you're doing this in combination, you know, when you're eating really well and you're getting a lot of sleep and you're exercising and you've detoxed all of that sexual shame out of your system. I mean, think about that. If you did that solidly for, let's say, a month, you know, you got eight hours of sleep and you were exercising and you were just eating really well and you weren't looking at porn. How do you think you would show up in the bedroom? And just so powerfully. How yeah. would you show up? with her you know she's she, there she is she's on the bed she wants you imagine that imagine the kind of energy you would be i am i am imagining that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i am yeah. picturing it right exactly. exactly yeah and so when you think about that kind of stuff that will help shift your mindset away from oh i feel stressed out everything's negative uh, i might as well you know eat some fast food and go jerk off you know watch porn exactly exactly yeah, we, we always end up taking that. One of those two the, things is going to bring you more satisfaction in life overall. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we take the path of least resistance, but it takes a lot of hard work, uh, you know, to do the good things that we want in life. So, for example, I've stopped, uh, you know, watching porn. That was like 1st of Jan 2020. While every guy during COVID is double downing on porn, me and the guys in my group, we were doing the opposite way. We were swimming the opposite way. I said, right, guys, let's get rid of porn from our lives. Let's you know, get rid yeah. of this. And we did a, a detox where we were doing no ejaculation as well. So, I mean, you can masturbate, but no, not ejaculate. Mm -hmm. And every time you ejaculate, I think in French, masturbation or, or ejaculation is called like a mini death or something. That's yeah. what it is. When we, when we ejaculate, we're like, oh. That's it. No, I just want to mm -hmm. rest and mm -hmm. sleep, right? Imagine when you're having coitus, right? When you're having intimate times with your partner and you withhold from ejaculate. That energy stays with you. And now when I practice this, my I, I'm like a raging bull for a very long time. Even the like I'll go to sleep and the next morning I'm get up. My sexual energy it's, it's at its peak. When you can sustain that for a week or two, she'll feel your sexual vibe even without you doing anything. And women can feel mm -hmm. that. Right? Remember, women have two and a half times more mirror neurons, so they'll feel you a lot more. So, sexual mm -hmm. detox can, you know, escalate, you know, you in yeah. the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there anything else, Chuck, that you know we can work on? Like, just a, a quick summary of anything else that we can, uh, you know, address to help the libido. Sure. You know, I think one of the important things is to understand too about like trauma, um, how that can affect your libido, your sex life. Um, mm -hmm. if you've had any kind of sexual trauma in your background, oftentimes that will be something that you need to deal with. And, you know, either a good therapist or, um, you know, working on that within a therapy group, those kind of things can be really helpful when you address your own trauma. And there's so many people out there, unfortunately, who have experienced sexual trauma, sexual abuse um, in their childhood, especially, but also, you know, teenagers and even as young adults, we can experience these sexual traumas. Um, I know I've worked with several guys. And when I talk about sexual trauma, it's not just, you know, about sexual abuse, but I worked with guys who have, you know, been in situations where they're having sex with a girl and they you know, they can't get it up. And then she starts to shame them and call them, you know, names mm. or, you know, get angry with them and that kind of thing. Like that's a real traumatic event that your brain records and then 
you know, the next time you're in that situation, the brain's going to just be like, Hey, last time we were here, this happened. So let's not do that again. And you start to, uh, you know, your, your body isn't working the way that you want it to. And it's not your fault. It's your body doing its job trying to protect you. So Absolutely. I think that Absolutely. dealing with trauma is a huge, huge thing that um, guys can work on. Yeah. You know, when you, when you were talking about you know, when guys have performance anxiety and they turn up and, you know, your, you know, your baton isn't working as it should be. <laughs> and, you know, and you're there and you're going, ah, and sometimes what's happened is I've, you know, when I've had performance or sexual anxiety, there's a lot on my mind. There's, there's lots happening. Uh, rather than just ignoring it and hoping that things will get better or hope she doesn't notice it, you know, that's what you're psychologically mm -hmm. thinking, but just be really open and honest and like direct with that and say, Hey, listen, look, I'm just under a lot of pressure. Sometimes, you know, things like this will happen. I don't want you to personally take this, yeah. right? This is, yeah. this is no reflection on you. Sometimes my physiology does things that I, you know, yeah. is beyond my control, right? right? Sometimes, you know, it wakes up when I don't want it to wake up and sometimes it doesn't wake up when right. I want it to wake up, right? right. And, and sometimes right. I don't always have control over this. And, and then you can have a conversation about this and then you can move into something, you know, do something, do this, gents, right? right. She will thank you for it. Right. Do more foreplay. Mm -hmm. Get more sensual, right? You don't always have to do the penetrative stuff, right? Give her amazing aftercare. Stroke her hair, yeah. right? Just yeah. kiss her neck. There's so many things you can do. For women, the mm -hmm. sexual experience is just not penetrative. It's the whole enchilada. Yeah. I think another thing that I try to uh, practice myself and help other guys practice this is, like, get out of your head and into your body, you know, one of the things that we do as nice guys, especially as we get into our head and we start thinking and having anxiety, like, oh, if I can't get it up, then she's going to be disappointed. If she's disappointed, then she's not going to want to be with me. And she's not going to want to be with me. Then I'm not going to be able to have sex again. And it just becomes this sort of round and round thing. And you guys probably know what I'm talking about. And what we have <laughs> to do is like get out of our heads and into our body. And the best way to do that is to just start experiencing and allowing yourself to experience your five senses. What do I see? Yes. What do I feel? What do I smell? What do I taste? What do I touch? And as you get into your senses and you start focusing on that, curves of her body, the smoothness of her skin, the smell of her neck, the, uh, you know, looking at, looking at her, you know, you get out of your head and into your body, then your yeah. body starts working. And that can be a really great way. It's almost like a meditation to be able to kind of mm. move out of here in the ruminating brain and the monkey brain that's just going and slow everything down. Start with your breathing. Okay. Start, start breathing slower, breathing more methodically, bringing the pace down. Oftentimes that can be really helpful as well. Oh, I love those tips. They're so useful as well. And that's what something that I was taught as well to you know, go into your body. I'm like, what does that mean? You're in your yeah, head. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Because, because we're thinking things and a lot of guys sometimes, it, yeah. And sometimes you could be with your partner and you're fantasizing about other things mm -hmm. and that can play again, that can, that disconnection, you know, she can feel that disconnection as well. Uh, one of the great practices I do and you know, some, I don't always get this right. But some of the practices, just like, you know, feel her body, just feel her mm -hmm. skin and, and then feel the senses coming through that because that helps me to calm down, relax. Yeah. 
And don't have expectations, right? Don't have like, there has to be an outcome. We have to achieve an orgasm. We have to achieve this. Just let it be. One of the best sexual experiences I've had is, you know what? We're going to leave on a peak. So, because sometimes, you know, we, you know, sometimes you have the foreplay and just leave it at that sexual energy. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to penetrate. You don't have to do anything and just and go to sleep. And you're both sexually charged. Lead in that place, right? When guys start leading in the bedroom, they start leading everywhere else, just continuously lead on that one. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great idea. Be a leader and start with leading yourself. Okay? Absolutely. You're, you're taking care of yourself, right? Through these things we've talked about. And you're out of your head and into your body, then most likely what will happen is that your body will take over and it'll start doing what it is that you want it to do rather than trying to make it do what you want it to do. Because yeah. when we have expectations and we try to make our body do something, what is the body's just going to shut down? Absolutely. And speaking of the body, I think the next conversation is how do we get you know, more active, fit, right? So I have a secret. I have a two-word secret that will, yeah, that'll make you, two little words that'll make you fall in love with fitness, exercise, gym. Right, so let's let's do this in the next one. All All right, right. gentlemen, thank you so much for this uh, and hopefully this has helped your libido and your bedroom antics to take to a next level. Any questions, anything like that, please reach out to myself or Chuck at theniceguyshow.com. See you in the next episode. You've been listening to The Nice Guy Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website, niceguyshow.com, for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life.